it's, uh, it's great to see all of y'all. If you're a guest, my name's David, and I am the pastor of the church. We enjoy so much to celebrate baptism. And all four services today, we're baptizing. At the end of the service today, we're going to celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper. Some of you may come from a background where you know it as communion. If you didn't get one of these fancy self-contained things, I don't know what the official term is, during the invitation, you can go out and you can get one to celebrate with baptism. What a great way to talk about a new life in Christ. We're, we're in a series that started in June, going to go through the end of July, about Samuel, the prophet called the Kingmaker. And uh, it, it's, the Kingmaker is about a man who had, had, had an unbelievable life in serving God. It, it's a complex life. It has so many facets to it. But the highlight of it, we'll see in a few weeks, was when he anointed David to be king. And when David became king, that it pretty much changed everything. And one of the things that, that I've said throughout this series, and I'll say it every week of this series, because it's the driving point, and it's simply this. Everybody needs somebody to save them. We really do. We all need someone to, to save us. Now, last week we looked at Samuel as the prophet, and he was primarily, is primarily, if you want to say, what was the primarily job title you know, of Samuel? It was prophet. Because he, more than anything, did what a prophet's do. He proclaimed the word of God. But today we come and see another aspect of his life. And we see Samuel as the priest. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7 to look at this part of his life. Now, because everybody needs somebody to save us, here's something else we need to understand. Uh, it's important. We can't make things right with God, so we need someone to help us. We can't make things right with God. We can try, but we can't. And we need someone to help us. And so with that in mind, I begin the sermon uh, today talking about something that, that uh, we used to hear all the time when I was growing up. It's time to get right with God. I mean, it's time to get right with God. For the people of Israel during that day, it was time to get right with God. I started in ministry in 1980 as a youth minister. And I remember you go to camps and, you know, there'd be revival in churches, revival services. I should say there was rarely ever revival. But we had revival services and you would hear preaching and you would hear people say, man, you got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. And I agree with that. But here's the problem as I think about it now all these years later. We can't get right with God. You and I aren't capable of getting right with God. It just, just can't happen. And that was, that was true back in Samuel's day. Now, one of the things I shared with you three weeks ago when I began this series, just describe the circumstances that existed. In the time of the judges, before Samuel was even born, the people of Israel had completely rebelled against God. And in their rebellion, what they had done is they adopted, and it's called the syncretism, a blending of religions, they adopted Baalism, the worship of the false Canaanite gods and goddesses into their religion. Now, they would tell you they still worship their God, Yahweh, the Lord, but they didn't. He said, no, you, you, you can't mix it. It's exclusive. You know, and they, they had idols, and they practiced child sacrifice, and all sorts of deviant behavior. And we saw that. Then two weeks ago, we saw that, and when we came to 1 Samuel, that the priesthood was corrupt as well. I mean, if there was one place in the life of Israel that should at least be pure, it should be the priest, but they weren't. They were corrupt. And so God set aside this infant named Samuel. Last week, we saw that from a young age, Samuel was deemed to be a prophet. Now, what a prophet did is they spoke the mind of God. And now we come and we see that in the midst of all that, what they really needed if they were going to get to God was not simply a prophet who spoke the mind of God. They needed someone who would intercede for them. 
on behalf of God. That they, that they had some kind of middleman. Back then, you know, in the way that things were set up, they just didn't come to God on their own. They couldn't because of their sinfulness. So they needed someone, a priest. Now, to understand something about a priesthood, you need to realize that the primary function of the priest was to be the middleman who, who closed the gap between holy God and unholy, unclean people. And so they would do things like they would perform the sacrifices. You know, people had to have a sacrifice for their sin all the time. But they weren't allowed to make the sacrifice themselves because of their unholiness, their uncleanliness. So they had to come to the priest. Now, it wasn't that the priest was specially holy. In fact, you know, the priesthood, the priests were just like them. They were sinners. But priests were called from the tribe of Levi. And in the tribe of Levi, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, they had been set aside. And because God set them aside, this was their task. Now, they, the priests would still have to offer sacrifices for themselves. They would have to get themselves right. But once they had done that, they would offer the sacrifices for the people. And they, and they would also, in turn, then tell the people what God expected of them, you know, how to live a clean, holy life. That was their job. And they kept doing it over and over and over, at least until Jesus came. Now, in the priesthood, there was one priest who was set aside above the rest. He was the high priest. And the high priest function was to kind of serve as the leader of the people, especially without a king, but also what the high priest did was every year on a very special day called the Day of Atonement, he would go into the, the holiest place of the tabernacle, later on the temple, and after he had cleansed and purified himself, he would offer this mega sacrifice of a bull to the Lord and request on behalf of all the people. So his sacrifice was to atone for the sins of the nation of Israel. It was a huge deal. And they did it year after year after year because they kept sinning all the time. And the sacrifice just wasn't going to cut at one time. And so this is where you need to realize that they kind of, their, their, their faith, their religion, where they were. Now, Samuel was not technically probably a priest because it doesn't appear that he came at least directly that we know he came from the, from the tribe of Levi in first Samuel when you look at uh, his dad Elkanah it doesn't appear that way there's some place in the Old Testament where maybe it has an appearance that Elkanah's genealogy goes back to Levi maybe his mother doesn't say his mother was from Levi she could have been the mother of Jesus half you know half her family is from Levi half from Judah but still he was raised by the high priest Eli we saw that you know the last two weeks and so he was raised to form and function as a priest. Now, when we pick up our story in just a minute, it's 20 years from where we last left Samuel. He is now a man in his 30s. The people of Israel have become subject to the Philistines. Of all the Canaanite tribes and all their clans, there was none more Canaanite than the Philistines. I mean, they were as pagan as they come. They were along the southeast coast of uh, Israel along the Mediterranean Sea. <clears throat> and primarily, they kind of ruled over southern Israel, maybe central Israel, but it affected everybody. So we kind of pick up with this long occurrence of that. Samuel, for 20 years, has been functioning now as a prophet on behalf of God, trying to bring reform. And here's where we pick up in verse 3. Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying... Now, when it says he spoke to all the house of Israel, the whole of Israel, he spoke to them. This is probably not one gathering. But as the prophet, he would go around to all the different tribes. And they all looked to him. I mean, they're all looking to him as a leader. And, and so he would go to them. And as he would go to them for this 20-year period, here's what he's calling them to do. He says, if you return to the Lord with all your heart. Now, the idea of returning is to be back to where you should be. In the New Testament, we have this word called repentance, to repent. To repent is to acknowledge you're going one way, and then you turn and you go the other. 
you're going away from Christ, serving yourself, away from God, serving yourself, to turn, and then you walk towards Jesus. It's repentance. Now, here the idea is similar, but it's the idea of getting back to where you need to be with all your heart. The heart is the place of the decision-making in your life, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. Evidently, some allergies blew in, decided to, hey, come and visit me. So if I cough up a lung in a minute, I got two. We're good. He says, remove the foreign gods and the Astaroth from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone. So remove all of the foreign gods. Remove all the worship of Baal. Remove the Astaroth. The Astaroth, Astarte, Asherah, called different names. She was the, the kind of the, the consort, the wife of, of Baal, the pagan god in their, in their scheme. And they would set up shrines to her for different reasons. Get rid of all of that. You can't keep it. You got to remove it. And then he says... What you do is you direct or you focus your heart, your decision. You focus you back on the Lord. And when you serve him, the concept of service, worship, he says, he and he alone is to be your God. You worship only him. And when you've made that commitment to the Lord, understand this. He will save you from the hands of the Philistines. He will deliver you. That's what the word deliver means. He will save you from them. So what Israel understood and what Samuel Newton did is preached a very simple message. Come back to God, repent of your sins, and you will be right with him. Come back to God, repent of your sins, and you will be right with him, and he'll save you. Verse 4 says this, it's a summation. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Astaroth and served the Lord alone. It doesn't mean they did it like that, but it meant... They began that process while Samuel was there for those 20 years of redoing all of that. Then they got to the point where they have done that. Samuel's going to call them as a nation. That means everybody went, but, as, but representatives of every place came at a place called Mizpah. And here's what we see in verse 6. And they gathered to Mizpah, and they made a proclamation. We have sinned against the Lord. Now, it's important that in our turning to God, we have to recognize we've sinned against him. The word sin here means to offend. It's a general term. In the New Testament, the very general term sin means to fall short of something. We fall short of God and his expectations, of his, his holiness, and we fall short of that. There are other terms like iniquity, which is immorality or impurity. There's transgression, which is sin against. There's evil. There's wickedness. But all these terms help to understand. Well, here you have this one very general term from the Hebrew, which means that you have offended God by your rebellion. And it says then, after they had made that statement, Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. Now, here we see the introduction of Samuel as a judge. That's one of the other things he did. I will deal with Samuel as a judge in two weeks. I'm not going to deal with it this week. But to be the judge is more than just to sit and rule over and make decisions. You know, like we go before a judge, he decides, you know, guilt, innocence, you know, what you're going to do, pay a fine, whatever. <clears throat> there, the judge was the leader. It basically means this. He had now become the leader of all the people. He led them to this time of renewal. He had become their leader. And it would function that way. And in becoming their leader, he led them away from serving the Baals. Because here's what the problem was. They thought they could serve both Baal and the Lord. And they found out you can't. So listen to me very carefully. You cannot follow and serve both the culture and Christ. You cannot follow and serve both the culture and Christ. When you have a culture 
in opposition to Jesus, in opposition to God, you can't serve both. Too often we try. Oh, we try. Churches try. I see churches try all the time. I see Christians try. Listen, I hear people say, well, we got to embrace the culture. We got to open our arms and embrace them. No, no. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, you love your enemies. You love people that persecute you, but you don't embrace them as your friend. Now, we encounter the culture in which we live. Absolutely. We encourage them, sure. When people come here, you know, we encourage them. And from whatever walk of life, whatever's going on in their life, whatever their lifestyle, they're welcome here. We want them here. We encourage them. We evangelize people. Yes, we evangelize. We share Jesus with them. We need to share Jesus with them. But you can't serve both culture and Christ. While they were there, the Philistines realized they had gathered. And they were getting preparing to go to war with Israel. And so here's what we see. The sons of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us. The word cry means to intercede. Do not cease to intercede. Samuel, we can't do this. We can't come to God. We're asking you to do it for us. Samuel, you need to make things right for us. You need to intercede that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. The purpose of Samuel interceding? was for their deliverance. So Samuel, functioning as a priest, took a suckling lamb and offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. So he, he took this lamb. Now back then, I shared a couple weeks ago, when you took a sacrifice, you would sacrifice part of the animal. You know, you would sacrifice your part to the Lord and keep the rest. But whenever you did a whole offering, a whole burnt offering, it means you kept all of it for the Lord. It was a sign of complete commitment and dependence and turning to God, they completely turned to God. This was a complete offering of everything they were. And the one who did the offering was the priest, Samuel. And he cried out for them and turned to the Lord. And we find out the Lord answered them. In verse 10 through 12, it says, in verse 10 through 12, not quite there yet, it's verse 13. In verses 10 through 12, the Lord delivers the people. He delivers them from the Philistines, and they all recognize it. They all know that he did it. They all give praise and glory to God for his deliverance. There was war, there was battle, all that happened. But they're delivered from the Philistines. So we see in verse 13 this. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore within the borders of Israel. They never came back to overcome them. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. As long as Samuel was alive, the hand of the Lord was against them. Now, here's the thing, though, that's really cool and really critical. While it was true that they did it as long as Samuel was alive, the Philistines never rose back up to power. When he died, Saul was king. There was a little bit of that rebellion by the Philistines then. It actually ended up killing Saul. David will end up destroying the Philistines. So completely did he overcome them that you rarely even see them mentioned ever again. There's rarely any mentioning of the Philistines at all anymore in the life of Israel. That's the power that happens with the ministry and the influence of Samuel. So here, here in summation is kind of what we see Samuel did. Samuel spent his time as a prophet and then as a priest, calling the people back to God, getting the people to repent of their sin, and putting them right where they needed to be. He made things right, and that happened. And here's what's cool and here's what's critical. Israel didn't turn back to worshiping the Baals for over a century. Throughout Samuel's life, throughout the kingship of Saul, throughout David, who took him to their highest glory, even through the majority 
of Solomon's reign till Solomon reintroduced pagan worship practices. Through all of that, for over a hundred years, they were faithful to the Lord. Because one man, one man helped make things right. Now, here's the thing. As important as that is, that's only temporary. It didn't last. We need someone who will make things right that'll last. The second thing I want you to see is we need help. We really do. When we talk about Jesus saving us, our main thing is to focus on following him. So, you know, we baptize people and we, we talk to them. I, I don't worry about all the doctrine stuff. Okay, get to that at some point. But there's a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine in our salvation. And so here's the thing. When we give our life to follow Christ, and, we, and they all talk about how they came to follow him in some capacity or another, they talk about that. Two things happen simultaneously and instantaneously. We are, by God, declared right with him. God declares us right. We call the declaration of being right justification. It's a big fancy term. Don't worry about it. Not a problem today. Actually, in the fall, I think I'm going to preach a sermon on justification. We'll worry about it then. But here's the thing. We're declared right. There's a second thing that happens. And Jesus makes us right with God. He makes us right. We call that sanctification. Okay? We're sanctified. We're made holy. We're made right with God. So he makes us right with the Lord. We don't do it. We can't do it. Now, in the story we saw with Samuel, at no point were the people ever declared right with God. But they were made right temporarily. And then they would sin and there'd be more sacrifices. The whole thing go over and over again. They needed someone to make them right permanently. And the priest couldn't do it. But what the priest did was important. The priest of Israel always pointed to a greater priest. They were always pointing to the greater that was coming down the line. And ultimately, that would be Jesus. One of the things I've done, I've done it every sermon this series, because whenever, whenever I'm in the Old Testament, I almost always do this. I will do it. This is the fourth sermon in the series. Got five more. Pretty much going to promise you I'll do it all five coming up. Remind you that the Old Testament promises something. It's incomplete. It points somewhere to someone. And the New Testament tells us to whom it points. The New Testament brings it to completion. It always points to Jesus. Jesus is the great priest of priests. In uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, Matthew records, actually what Matthew probably does is gives us a summation of that message. But in that message, in, in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus says something. And I probably quote this verse from Jesus probably more than anything but John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, I did not come to do away with the law and the prophets. In other words, he says, I didn't come to do away with everything in our scriptures. I didn't come to do away with our religion, our faith. He said, I came to fulfill it. I came to bring it to its conclusion. I came to bring it to the point where it doesn't exist because it exists within me. I am it in a critical point of the Jewish faith was their priesthood because they needed someone to broker the relationship between them and God and it couldn't happen year after year they always had to get another one and Jesus is in essence saying I'm the last priest there is no more 
I love the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews just so beautifully and eloquently reminds us that in Jesus, all of the Jewish faith system has been complete. He says he is the last and the final of all the priests. There is none more. Who's going to be a better priest? Think about it. I hear people say something. I don't understand why people say some of the things they do in Christianity. I hear them say, well, you know, when Jesus comes, he's going to reestablish the priesthood. Really? The fact that it's not mentioned by Jesus or anyone in the New Testament, somewhere along the way in the last 200 years, we kind of made that up. Why would you want another priest after Jesus? Who who, Who do you want? He's it. Jesus is as good as it gets. That's all I want. Because here's the thing. I know I got a problem. And here's what I know. You and I can't get to God on our own. We need help. And no person can help you. But Jesus can. I am really no different than you in so many ways. I am not a priest. My job isn't to intercede for you on behalf of God. I'm not here brokering a relationship between you and God. I don't do that. In fact, the only difference between you and me in reality is that at some point God called me to do this and gave me maybe one or two small little gifts that might help me along the way, and that's it. You could do this. I mean, there's no, there's no reason you can't. We can baptize, you know, the pastor's baptized, but we do that because really in, in, in our way, in our faith of understanding, it kind of safeguard against things maybe getting out of hand, but any follower of Jesus can baptize. Any follower of Jesus can lead in, in the Lord's Supper. I'm just going to lead in a minute. I'm not going to do anything special. We have this thing called the priesthood of the believers. Baptists, we love it. We didn't come up with it, by the way. It was only back to the Reformation. Luther came up with it. It's hard to convince Southern Baptists that Lutherans had some impact on our faith. <laughs> as bad as that is, try ever convincing them that Presbyterians had impact on our faith, and you'll see how bad things can really get. You want to hear Baptists cuss? <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> that and eat the last deviled egg in a potluck dinner. <laughs> <clears throat> Here's what the priesthood of the believer says. That because Jesus is the high priest, you and I need no one else. We are our own priests. That means we save ourselves. Doesn't mean we make things right. No, it means we come to Jesus. And here's what Jesus does. What Samuel did temporarily, Jesus does permanently. Here's what he does. He calls us back to God. He says, come. You need to come back to God. He moves us to repent from sin. When I repent, when I turn away from my sin, I didn't come up with that. Jesus moves me through the Holy Spirit, but he moves me to repent. And then this is what Jesus does. It's so cool that I can't do. He puts us in a right relationship with God. It's Jesus who does that. In other words, that's what ILW means. And by all the way, all you, you know, millennials who text with ILW, do all that stuff, us baby boomers used ILW long before you did. So just keep that in mind. He makes things right. And I need someone to make things right. I can't do it. Jesus does that. Everybody needs someone to save them. And everybody needs someone to make things right with God. And I can't do any of that. But Jesus can. And here's the question I guess I need to ask. Has he done it for you? At some point in your life, you've got to admit you can't do it. 
You don't have to understand everything there is. You don't have to know all the Old Testament. I don't even know. I don't know all that stuff. But you have to admit there's something wrong in your life. Then you have to repent from your sin. You've got you've to admit you're a sinner. You've got to turn away from that. And then you've got to take your life and you've got to give it to Jesus. You've just got to trust him with it. Sometimes trust is hard. Sometimes you don't get to know everything. I want all my answers solved, all my questions answered, and all my problems solved. Yeah, they work that way. Sometimes you step out on what we call faith and just trust him because all the evidence says he's the only one who can do it. While I may not totally get it, I'm going to trust you. And then you live your life serving him. When you serve him, you know what you do? You go to the people in our culture, and here's what you do. You don't harass them. You don't yell at them. You don't scream at them. You share Jesus with them. Because just like you and just like me, they need someone to make things right. In a moment, we're going to walk out of this place. But I hope when you walk out, you've made things right. Oh, wait, you can't. I hope Jesus has made things right for you. In a moment, right now, I guess, we're going to be standing here. Ladies, if you like, when you pray with someone, prefer to pray with another lady, there'll be another lady up here. If you want to come pray with us, you can. If you want to come give your life to Christ, you can. The great thing is you don't have to pray with us. You can pray where you are. You don't have to just bypass us and pray straight to Jesus. If you want to join our church, well, that you have to use us for. But whatever God is calling you to do, you do it. Let Jesus make things right. So, Father, we look at Samuel. He was just a guy. You set him aside. You set him apart. He committed himself to you. And he went and he proclaimed Jesus. Now, way before he didn't proclaim Jesus, but he proclaims you. And if he proclaims you got to repent, you got to turn away, you got to turn to God. And now we come, and, and Father, we see Jesus, and we need to proclaim him. And we need Jesus to come into our lives because we can't make everything right. And just like Samuel temporarily brought people back to you, Jesus permanently brings us back to you. So let's give you the honor of the glory that is yours in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand? We'll be here at the front. You come.